Well, I forgot my crutch somewhere, so that's rough. Um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know, but see me walk around, walking around with uh, the crutch and the brace, I tore my ACL over the summer um, and also had a meniscus tear. Uh, I was on tour with my worship band at college um, and tore it like halfway through and just got it reconstructed uh, right before Christmas. So, yeah, that's what's, what's going on. Uh, surgery went well and all that. It is, I'm not, man, it's weird being up here in front of all of you. Um, <laughs> yeah, Scott knows, man. Scott's been there. Shoot. It's weird, and it's weird for me, too, because I've been up here on the stage, uh, you know, leading worship, but if I don't have a guitar in my hands, I just feel naked. Like, man, it's, it's really scary. So, uh, will you all pray with me? Father, thank you for this food. Thank you for who you are. And bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, There's no food. There will be food later. Uh, We're doing communion because it's the first Sunday of the month. Um, But that is the prayer that I got to hear multiple, multiple times um, because that's what my nephew Mason prays. Um, And it's the cutest thing. It's not really cute when I do it. Um, because I'm not almost four. So, uh, but that, that's something that has been really wonderful for me to see and for me to uh, just to watch is my nephew and my niece growing up um, and looking at my sister and just the, uh, the Christian background and the foundations that they're laying for their kids um, and knowing that those are the same foundations that my parents laid for me, um, that many of you guys laid for me because I grew up in this church. Um, and maybe that's the most intimidating part about this church, um, or about this this morning for me, because I was practically raised by so many of you that so many of you um, have poured into me and have given me so much knowledge. So what what do I have to give back? Um, because most of what I know is from you guys. And uh, if my thoughts are random or I see, do things. Uh, odd, or I'm really loud, or I start with a story and you have no idea where it goes, you can blame Jeff, because <laughs> uh, he was pretty formative for me, um, but yeah, man, it was, it's, let me tell you, it has been awesome uh, growing up in this church and um, then leaving and experiencing other things and coming back, uh, I really understand how good this church has been to me. Um, and that's really unique because I was uh, kind of raised in like, like as the church transitions, I realized that like how good things were and um, that God is taking us somewhere new. And I'm really excited for where, where we're going. Um, and so as I start uh, this morning, I wanted to remind you that last week, uh, Scott invited us to cross over the Jordan, that God was calling us into the promised land um, and, that, and that he asked us to step out in faith and to go with him. And I'm not going to lie, when he said, uh, turn in your Bibles to Joshua, I was pretty nervous because I was like, wow, I'm going to be speaking on that too, so I hope that he doesn't speak what I'm speaking on because what am I going to do? I can't, I can't get ready for that soon enough. So, but I want to continue on uh, with this theme in Joshua um, and, and just talking about uh, how entering the promised land means losing all sense of control, all sense of independence, and walking with God by faith without any knowledge of what lies ahead. Um, as many of you know, uh, Joshua, 
uh, entered the promised land and crossed over the Jordan. And the first city that they stopped at was Jericho. And um, the walls came tumbling down. And later, they continue and they go and conquer the land. And, and there are great stories in the book of Joshua. Like In chapter 10, the sun stands still. And I know that many of the youth remember that because uh, that was one of the themes for midwinter. Um, and in the, the chapter before that, chapter 9, the Gibeonites resort to deception to save themselves from the Israelites because news had spread of how powerful they were. And not only how powerful they were, but how they trusted God and how powerful that God was. And so the Gibeonites were afraid because they didn't want to be destroyed. And so they were like, oh, maybe we can trick them and save ourselves. But the people of God remained faithful and were given victory to every foe that they came across, regardless of like, whether or not they knew what they were coming up against. And their faithfulness was made known to the entire land. So if you uh, will unlock your iPhones and turn to Joshua 24, <laughs> if you're using an Android... Um, I'm saying an extra prayer for you. But if you've got your Bible, then like double Christian points for you guys. <laughs> the cool thing about Joshua is that like this chapter to me is just awesome because Joshua gives the super cool speech and, and I get really excited about things like um, wars and battles like any any boy does, you know, so like Lord of the Rings and uh, Braveheart and everything like that, I love that stuff, and I love the grand speeches that people give, right, that like when, um, when Aragorn takes his men that have just been beaten up and bruised after the battle of, uh, well, pe- sorry, you guys don't know what this is, um, after the battle in the third movie, like the really big one with the White Tower and all that stuff, then he's like, oh, we've got to give Frodo more time so he can go and take care of his mission in Mordor. So we're going to go advance against the Black Gate. And there's like not that many of them and all of Mordor is still in full strength. And Aragorn gives a super epic speech and I won't give it to you because I'm not that cool. But Joshua gives a super epic speech and he's on his deathbed and this is like the last thing that he'll really say to the people of Israel. And man, it blows Aragorn's speech away. It is so good. And I think that especially as we're um, in the new years, we're in this time of, uh, of new beginnings, of transitions and things like that, that it is so, so powerful. And Joshua starts his speech um, by reminding the people what God has done for them. And so if you look, I won't read the chapter, but I will go through it. He starts even in verse 2. Uh, long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Sarah to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. And then he continues on and talks about what he did in Egypt. And he continues on and he t- talks about what he did for the people of Israel in the desert and how... When he crossed over into the land of Canaan, how he delivered king after king and kingdom after kingdom into the Israelites' hands. And then Joshua gets to the point where he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. This is verse 14. Throw away your gods and your forefathers, worship before um, in the land beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. 
But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for, the, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And the cool thing is that God tells his people what he's done so that they would remember and stay faithful. And God doesn't have to stay involved in his people's lives because he's God. Like, if he wants to do what he wants, he wants to do what he wants, right? Um, But he still chooses to stay involved with his people, and he chooses to stay involved with us. And it is our privilege that he chooses that, that he chooses an interaction with us. The Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that we, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's so powerful because God didn't have to send his son. God didn't have to make us. Well, I mean, he did make us, and wherefore, we should be serving him. Like, he didn't have to give us the choice to not serve him, but he did. And he, he continues to interact with us and to be a part of our lives in a very, very big and also very intimate way. And that, I think, is just super Super unique and something that is important to remember. And Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And uh, just a little background, that verse bothered me to no end when I was younger. Um, Because pretty much every time I got in trouble with my parents, I heard that verse. (laughs) And I hated it so much. Man, and my mom, she would be, she'd say, you know, Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Who are you going to serve, KJ? And I was like, the Lord. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mess up. And then I messed up again. And she'd be like, choose for this day whom you will serve. Who are you going to serve, KJ? The Lord. I'm sorry. It was terrible. I hated it because every time I got in trouble, my mom brought that up. She's like, who are you going to serve? And now, now that I'm a college student, like, that, that verse has so much to me because I don't have my mom when I get in trouble. Not that I get in trouble, mom. I promise, I'm a good student. <laughs> if and when I get in trouble, I've, I've kind of got my mom saying, who are you going to serve? And that, that's just a motive and a theme that has been over me um, my whole life. And that's something that, like, man, when you choose whom you're going to serve, that's, that's so powerful and that's so liberating. Because serving people, when you choose that, then you're like, okay, I'm going to serve this person, which means I'm not going to make any decisions. I'm just going to do what they want. And I'm going to say, you know what? This, this decision that you've got, that you made for me, that you think I should do this, whatever. Like, going to Greenville for me made sense. Um, but it's also 12 hours away, and I'm not, I'm not going to know anybody within like 500 miles of me. So that was really scary. But God, whatever, you called me to do this, so I'm going to do it because I chose to serve you. So I gave up any sense of independence. I gave up any sense of control. I gave up any decision-making, really, besides like what I'm going to have for lunch, and I'm going to give it to you. And Joshua says, choose for this day whom you will serve. And the people reply, far be it from us to serve the Lord because we know how good he was to us in Egypt. And so we will serve the Lord. And Joshua replies, no, you can't do that. Okay, God is righteous and he is holy. And if you turn from him, he will bring the rain and he will hurt you and punish you for it. And the people say, no, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua warns them of the danger 
And so I feel like I should warn you of the danger that serving the Lord is hard. And it's not something that makes a lot of sense a lot of the time. But that's what crossing into the Jordan and being in the promised land is. You never really know what's going to come ahead, right? They're like The Israelites had no idea who the Gibeonites were. They thought they were from a distant land. And then when they came to their homeland, um, they're like, wow, you live like right next door. Why didn't you just tell us? Why did you deceive us? Like they had no idea. The Israelites had no idea what, we were, what they were getting into. And in the same token, if we as a church and we as a people and I as a person choose to cross over the Jordan and live with God, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. Like I want to be a worship leader when I grow up. Um, the, actually, <laughs> for a long time, when Dane was working here, I said, man, if I could just have his job, I'd be made. Like, that'd be awesome. Like, but I have no idea what I'm getting myself into after college. And that's, that's really scary to me, but I've chosen to serve the Lord. And I know that the rewards are great, serving the Lord. And John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Right? And that whole passage talks about um, how I am the good shepherd, and I lead my sheep out into the field, right? And that's where, that's where sheep go to eat, is in the field. But that's also where they can die and where they can be killed by wolves, where they can be stolen away, where they get lost. There's nothing safe about leaving your pasture or leaving your pen and going out to graze on the grass. But that's what God calls us to because that's where we find the full life that God promises us. And we know if, if we close the book, if we close by the Bible at the end of Joshua, then Joshua dies, the Israelites are all pumped. They're going to be like, we're going to serve the Lord. What's up? This is going to be awesome. And that would be a great place to close the Bible. But we know that the Bible continues, and we know that the next book is Judges. And Judges depicts the people of Israel time after time after time falling away from God and being, becoming slaves and becoming uh, prisoners, and then God sends a judge, and he redeems his people, and then they're like, okay, now make sure you stay with God this time. We're like, okay, we're going to serve God, and this is going to be awesome, and then that generation dies, and the people fall from God again, and the thing is, is that it continues and continues and continues, and eventually it gets to the point, at the end of Judges, it says, the people did what was right in their own eyes. You see, by the end of Judges, they'd lost any sense of morality. They'd lost any sense of ethics, any sense of right and wrong because they'd fallen away from God and this time they fell hard. And the people wanted a king. And that's not what God had in plan for them. And it's not, it wasn't God's decision that the people wandered the desert for 40 years. And I think I mean, I don't know, I'm just going off of memory here, but I think I heard one time that the actual trip from where they were in Egypt to Canaan would take about 11 days or something like that. I don't know, like really short. And they got lost for 40 years. <laughs> Brilliant. I know, I know, it's, it's ridiculous. But see, that's what the people chose because, because of something that they did. But God stayed with them through that. And when the people wanted a king, when the people were like, you know what, God, you've been great to us in Egypt. It was cool, whatever. Uh, but we want a king, um, and we want less to do with you. 
So if you could give us a king, I mean, we'll still ask you for that, I guess, but if you could just give us that, that'd be great. You see, and the people would fall further and further and further away. But the important thing is that Joshua reminded his people of all the good things that God has done for us. Right, and that's the, that's the reason behind these uh, the Tell Your Story videos that you've been seeing, is that there's knowledge and there is wisdom in this church and there's ex- life experience in this church. And the reason that we've been doing these videos is so that this church would remember all the good things that God has done for us. And I can't say, I mean, I have 19 years in me, you know, all of which were spent here, but that's only 19 years. And people like Scott, they've been here since, what'd you say, like 80 something? Yeah. So, like, that's 10 more years. I wasn't born yet. So, that's 10 years that I don't have, but that somebody else has. And that's 10 years further back where we can witness the goodness of God. And when we remember how good God was to us, then we can know that the Lord is good, that we can trust in that. We don't need, we shouldn't feel like we need God to intervene again. We don't need, like, God, come bring revival and come, like, heal somebody. Like, if I could just take this brace off and jump around, that'd be great, you know? But we shouldn't feel like we need to see that to know that God is good. And we shouldn't feel like we need to see that to know that God is alive and active. Because God has worked, worked in our lives and worked in the history of this church and worked in the history of his people over and over and over again. And that should be good enough. Because we're, who are we to deserve that, to think that we need some, type, some sort of um, divine act from God? Like, where do we even get the idea that we can ask for that? Right? Like, why not just be thankful that God has been active and that God has been moving? And so, God, Joshua says to, to his people, when they say, we will serve the Lord, he calls to witness these stones. And he says, look, these stones will bear witness to what you've just declared. And, I mean, when I think of stone, I think, like, small rock, heavy rock, solid rock. But not like, you know, it's a stone, whatever. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, cool, stones are immutable, and they're timeless, you know, and only, I mean, they might erode a little bit if the rain and the water, like, the grit gets on them, but they'll pretty much be there, you know. But I saw that the rock that Moses split to give his water, to give water to the people in the desert was a huge, huge rock. And I think that that's what Joshua used to bear witness to the people's testimony, something that would like be around for ages, that they would know, that the rocks would know, that the people of Israel on that day declared, we will serve the Lord. And every year, um, the sixth graders go through um, their service thing that I've, I've forgotten what it's called. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. The wisdom that you guys have, that's what it's all about. <laughs> Anyways, so they're, they go through the service and they become members of the church and they're given this rock. And so I brought mine up because I haven't done anything with it. And also, I wanted to say, this is what rocks used to look like. Back in my day, they weren't like smooth pebbles that you could lift up. Like when you were singing, here I raise my Ebenezer, I was singing under like pain of death. (laughs) That if I dropped this thing, it was going to knock me out, and that would have been the end of me. But it says, KJ Disciple. 
right? And we know that a disciple is one who chooses to follow hard after, their, um, after the one that they are learning from. Man, words are not working well with me. Um, and, and they ask, let the dust of your feet fall upon me. You know, that they follow so close and they know so well. And, and it's etched, for me, it's etched into this rock and that's not gonna change. I mean, like I could take a hammer to it and it might break and it might crack a little bit, but it still says KJ, disciple, and that that was my new name and that that's my identity. First Peter talks about that we are a chosen people and a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people chosen and belonging unto God, you know, and that is our identity. That's something that we made that when we said, God, come and be Lord of our lives, that, that that's what it's about. And this rock bears witness to my choice. And that's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Is that as this new year comes, and probably some of you are thinking about New Year's resolutions, and other of you are thinking about past resolutions that you just didn't do, so I'm like, you know what, forget resolutions, whatever. But I would ask that you guys this morning choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the God's from Egypt, or the gods of the people in which you live, whether it be money or the cowboys, which is a terrible choice, by the way. I mean, I love them, don't get me wrong, but man, that, that's a rough time. Or your college, you know, if you want to yell gig em or hook em, hook em, by the way. Um, that if you want to choose to serve the gods of this land, of America, of individualism, and of entitlement, and of I'm going to work my butt off so that I can get what I deserve so that I can have a good life when it's all said and done. That's cool, whatever. But God calls us to something much better, and he calls us to a full life. But it means giving up any sense of who you are. It means giving up like, hey, where am I going to go to college? I don't know. God, you take care of it. Hey, what am I, who am I going to marry? I don't know. God, you, you take care of it. Hey, how am I going to pay these bills? I don't know. God, you take care of it. It means giving up any sense of control, any sense of of identity, and saying, I am the Lord's, and he is mine, and that's all I need. And so as as we enter into this new year, I would encourage you to think on that, to think who you will serve, and then, so that you don't fall away, talk to each other. Make it public. Raise your Ebenezer I mean, you can go find a rock and etch your name in it if you want to. But find something permanent and find something public. That the whole purpose of baptism is to make your decision to follow Christ a public one. So that you can say to people that love you and that will hold you accountable, this day I have chosen to serve the Lord. Help me with it. See, that's the beauty of the body of Christ is we can help each other with it. See, this leg, this knee is hurting and so my right leg is compensating and my body is compensating for this weakness. And we can do that with each other and that's what the body of Christ is supposed to do. So as we move into this new year, step out in faith, choose whom you will serve and stay true to it and do whatever you can, whatever you have to do to stay true to it because there you will find life and life everlasting. Let's pray.